You are listening to the Purpose Church High School Ministry Podcast. Whether this is your first episode or you've heard them all, God has something to say to you. Our vision is to see every student everywhere following Jesus, and we hope this message helps you take your next step in your faith. To learn more about our high school ministry, visit our website, purposechurch.com HSM, and check us out on Instagram at purposehsm. We hope you enjoy today's episode. We are starting a brand new sermon series that is going to take us to the end of 2023. Now, if you were here this summer, we studied the Gospel of Mark. And if you remember, this was our sermon series. It was called Come and See, Experiencing Jesus Through the Gospel of Mark. And Mark is one of the four biblical accounts that we have of Jesus' life and ministry. And if you missed part of this summer, or if maybe you've never read the Gospel of Mark before, I'd really encourage you, after tonight is over, don't take out your phones now, but after tonight is over, on your sermon notes, if you notice at the top, there's a QR code. And if you scan that QR code, there's a bunch of links. This is always something great to check out almost every week. And if you scroll to the bottom, you will find our podcasts of our HSM sermons on both Spotify and Apple. So you can listen to those to catch up. But if you have never read the Gospel of Mark before, I'd really encourage you to. If you haven't read much of the Bible before, the Gospels are an awesome place to start because they read very much like a story or a narrative. They're very approachable. But even if you have read the Gospel of Mark 10 times, even if you read your Bible often, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are great books for followers of Christ to constantly go back and reread because that is where we get up close and personal with Jesus' life and his ministry. And if you read just two chapters a day of the Gospel of Mark, you could read all of Mark by the time we're back here next week for HSM. So encourage you to take that challenge. Now this summer, as we opened up the Gospel of Mark, our question, what we were discovering together was, who is Jesus? And now that we've gotten to know him through one of his Gospels, we are led to the next natural question to ask, and that is, what does it mean to follow him? Because after all, that is the invitation that Jesus gives to everyone everywhere. And that brings us to our series tonight called, This is the Way, Eight Marks of a Disciple of Jesus. And until the end of 2023, just like I said, we are going to be studying together what does it actually look like to follow Jesus. And Haley and I, who Haley's our HSM coordinator, I think she's in the back, we love her. We have been getting so pumped about this series because we are going to get really practical for the next few months. We are really going to dig into what does it look like, what are the ways to follow Jesus. 
And this is really exciting because, fun fact, early Christianity, the first Christians after the Jesus movement, after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, they did not follow something that they called Christianity. They, called, they followed what they called the way. Christianity was known as the way. And Jesus, in John chapter 14, claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. And so disciples of Jesus, we are going to discover together the way to follow him. We are going to follow in Jesus's ways. And tonight, for week one, the first mark of a disciple is that disciples drop everything and they follow him. We actually see this in all four of the Gospels. And so go ahead and get out your Bibles and get ready to flip because we are going to be doing some flipping tonight. So grab your Bibles and open up to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. And we studied this this summer. In Mark chapter 1, verse 16, Scripture says, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Flip one book over to the left. We're going to the first gospel and the first book of the New Testament. Find me in Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, starting in verse 18. And this is where we get another perspective of the story that we just read in Mark. Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them. And immediately, immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Flip right, and we're going to go past Mark to the gospel of Luke. This is the third gospel. And turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11, which is going to give us more details into what has happened here at the boats with Jesus and these disciples. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, I think that's how you say it, but also another word for the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, 
We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the son of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore left everything, and followed him. Last one. Flip right. One more to the book of John. And in the book of John, chapter 1, starting in verse 35, we see yet another story of Jesus calling his disciples. John 1, verse 35. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples, When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. And Cephas, which is Aramaic, and Peter, which is Greek, is translated to English. That name means rock. What I hope that you saw as we just went through all four Gospels is that All four of the biblical accounts that we have of Jesus' life and ministry, they start with a story of Jesus calling people to follow him. And in each one of those books, pretty much the moment Jesus calls them, they immediately drop everything and follow him. And that brings us to our first sign of a disciple. I forgot to say earlier, but there are pens in jars in the aisle seats if you want to take one and pass it down. And your first fill in the blank is this. Disciples recognize the holiness, goodness, and worthiness of God. And they drop everything and follow him. It's kind of like this.
Matthew. Matthew, son of Alpheus. Yes. Follow me. Me? <laughs> yes, you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are you doing? You want me to join you? Keep moving, street preacher. Do you have any idea what this guy has done? Do you even know him? Yes. Listen, I said to... What are you doing? Where do you think you're going? Guys, let me go. Have you lost your mind? You have money. Quintus protects you. No Jew lives as good as you. You're gonna throw it all away. Chose you either. But this is different. I'm not a tax collector. Get used to different. Why are we spending so much time looking at when Jesus called the first disciples? Why is that so significant that the disciples dropped what they were doing, dropped everything that they had to follow him, what the Bible calls discipleship? Why is that so significant? Well, disciple simply means follower. It's your second fill-in. Disciple means follower. And in Jesus' time, there were, it was very common, there were many people who would be disciples of different teachers. Jewish people would be disciples of rabbis. We read that in one of our chapters right now. So Jesus calling his disciples to follow him, that was not necessarily a unique practice. Again, lots of people chose to be with teachers because they thought they were wise, because they thought they were helpful. So they would spend a lot of time with them. They would become apprentices of that, of that teacher. What Jesus was asking the disciples to do was not necessarily unique. But what was unique is that Jesus was not just inviting the disciples to follow just another person. He was inviting them to follow the God of the universe who had arrived fully God and fully man in the flesh in Jesus. And the Bible in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 calls us to be like God, to be imitators of God. So disciples of Jesus follow Jesus. I know that kind of sounds dumb and obvious. I get that. But disciples, they learn from God. They learn from him and walk with him so that they can become like him. Again, I know that seems really obvious. Maybe it seems silly. And maybe you're like, I still don't get it. Why is this such a big deal? This is such a big deal because every single one of us, myself included, we all follow something. 
John Mark Comer, who is a pastor and an author from Oregon, in a few months he's going to release a new book. And one of the quotes that he's released says this. The question isn't, am I a disciple? It's who or what am I a disciple of? If we are not being intentionally formed by Jesus himself, then we will be unintentionally formed by someone or something else. And that's scary. That's why this matters. Because some of us are disciples of TikTok. Some of us are disciples of our sport or our art or what our parents think or what the people at school think or maybe your grades or maybe your favorite politician or maybe your favorite celebrity. And we don't call it discipleship, but think about it. These things consume our thoughts and our time and our energy. They affect the decisions and behaviors that we choose to engage in. And if we're being totally honest, we would probably drop everything if it meant that we got the security and the hope and the approval and the love and worth that we want from those things. But friends, HSM, because I love you so much, I have to tell you this, because I love you so much, I will tell you this over and over again as your pastor, the only thing or person worth following with your life is Jesus, God in the flesh, who came to earth, lived the perfect life that you and I never could, so that when he died on a cross, he took on our sins, paid the price for it, but then rose from the grave three days later to invite everyone everywhere to have everlasting life with him. That is the gospel. That is the good news. What Christians, disciples of Jesus, that at the core is what we believe, and that is what disciples of Jesus should be united around. This is the good news. And whether you have heard this news for the thousandth time, thousandth, I was practicing saying that, but I can't get it, the thousandth, thousandth time, or if maybe you're hearing this for the first time, the good news is here. The good news is right in front of you tonight. And so we have to ask each other out of love. I have to ask you out of love, and I'm asking myself this too, would you drop everything to follow Jesus? Because Jesus asks us to do that, what the disciples just did, what we read and what we saw, Jesus asks his followers to do that every single day. And as you're hearing this, I, I hope that you're starting to make connections. I hope the Holy Spirit is, is stirring things in your heart and in your mind. And maybe you're thinking about this concept to drop everything and to follow Jesus sounds a lot like a word that we use a lot in church, and it's used in the Bible, and it's repentance. And repentance can be a scary word, but the definition is gonna be right up here for us. This is from like a, a Bible dictionary. 
Repentance is the act in which someone turns from his or her sin, idolatry, and rebellion and turns to God in faith. And this is what Jesus asks that we make our lifestyle, that we would constantly notice the things that we're carrying that are preventing us from really being with Jesus and we would drop those things in order to follow him. I was listening to a podcast last week by um, another pastor and author that I uh, really appreciate and respect. His name's Pete Scazzaro. And he says, observing about what we just studied, that before Jesus asks the disciples to do anything, he asks them to be with him. Before Jesus asks the disciples to do anything for him, he asks the disciples to be with him. And friends, that is going to be the key for our whole series this semester. Being before doing. Being with Jesus. Being disciples of Jesus before we try to earn our way into being his disciples. Because Jesus does not want our good works Those are not going to impress him. Jesus wants us to love him and experience life with him. And maybe right now you are asking a really valid question, and that is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to really drop everything and follow Jesus? Because it sounds like a lot, and it is. Because to follow Jesus, to drop everything, means that you are going to make Jesus your primary identity above everything else. It means submitting to Jesus' plans and desires for your life, even if it means sacrificing some of your own desires. And it's going to be hard. Think about the disciples that we just studied and and watched, what we just talked about tonight. For the fishermen, the fishermen gave up predictable, steady jobs and income, right? They gave up a predictable schedule. Some of them even left their families. For Matthew, the tax collector in the video that we watched, Matthew gave up riches, And he gave up security and protection. Tax collectors were not very popular in like the whole of the Roman Empire, but in the eyes of the Roman government, yeah, tax collectors were pretty cool. And Matthew decided to give all that up because he wanted to follow Jesus. It is costly to follow him, but it is always worth it. Jesus said himself in Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. The kingdom of heaven is so valuable. It's the most valuable. It's the most precious thing that we will ever experience in this world. And so it is absolutely worth it to drop the things that we're carrying if it means that we get the honor 
of being with and following Jesus. And when we finally do that, when we choose every day, sometimes every minute of every day, to go to him and to be with him, the good news doesn't stop. That when we choose to go be with Jesus, he's not there tapping his foot, arms crossed, rolling his eyes like, what took you so long? He is not, I think about Peter, who we studied about, who when he experiences the miracle of the fish catch, he goes to Jesus and he doesn't say, Jesus, like you, you're so worthy, like I'm so grateful for you, I love you. He drops to his knees and he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Because I know that you are holy and you are good and you are so worthy that I am not worthy to be in your presence. But Jesus will not bring up our sin to bring us shame and condemnation. He won't do that. Jesus will only bring up our sin when he wants to call us out into something better. Jesus is like what he said to Peter. Do not be afraid. I am with you, and I'm giving you a purpose. Jesus is so much more like when we come home to him, when we repent, when we choose to drop everything and follow him, Jesus is so much more like the father in the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. That when this father's rebellious son and hateful son leaves home and decides to come back, the father is not annoyed, he is not irritated, and he does not condemn. Instead, he runs to his son in joy and in love because what was lost, he said, has now been found. And that is the Jesus who is waiting for you when you drop everything and run to him. And maybe right now, you're not ready to take that step. Or maybe you're at the point of your life where Jesus is your savior, that, that you have dropped everything and followed him at one time in your life, but it's not true now. That there are still things that you're carrying that you need to let go and give over to him. I know I have that. And so I want to give all of you a very practical challenge in order to dig deeper and process with the Lord the things that we've talked about tonight. And in fact, every week of this series is going to come with a very practical challenge. And in fact, all of those practical challenges are a part of something even bigger that HSM we are calling the Way Life Group Challenge. So on all of your seats as you walked in, would you take out your um, bookmark? Hey, Lucas, when did, you, when did you walk in here? It's good to see you. I didn't see you until just now. Good to see you. Sorry, bud. Okay, take out your bookmark. Take out your bookmark. Every week of this series, you will have a very practical challenge. And it will also come with how you will get a point for that challenge. So last week, we talked about how I feel like the word of the year that God is putting on our hearts for HSM is honor. Honor God and honor each other. 
And so what we're going to do with this series is practice that. And in your life groups, you are going to work together. You are going to encourage each other, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, as it says in Hebrews chapter 10. And every week, if at least half of your life group does the challenge, then your life group gets a point. And at the end of the semester, if your life group has at least seven points, if you have seven out of eight points, which means you're you, at least half of your life group for all of these seven weeks took the way challenge, then you, your life group, will get a Raising Cane's party. <laughs> pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm pretty excited about it. And, and let me tell you uh, my secret hope and my secret plan and agenda and prayer is I am really not interested in, I mean, it'd be really cool, but I'm really not interested in like one life group having a Raising Cane's party. I haven't really talked about this with Haley yet about our budget, but we'll figure it out. We'll pray, you know, the Lord, the Lord provides. My secret hope is that at the end of this series, all of HSM has a Raising Cane's party because all of us decided to take the challenge to honor God and honor each other. And we get to have this big celebration at the end of the year of God's faithfulness and everything that he taught us and the ways that he formed us as we practically applied the eight marks of a disciple of Jesus. So does that sound good? I love it. Your week one the Way Life Group Challenge is to prepare your heart for following Jesus more closely. So it says it on your bookmark, but I want you to take 20 minutes to process with God the following questions by writing down your answers. What do you let yourself be a disciple of? What are some things you hesitate in order to follow Jesus? Hesitate to drop in order to follow Jesus. How specifically do you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus next year, this year? Who can I ask to be my accountability partner in this? And next week, to receive your point, you need to show your life group leader like what you journaled, what you processed. And life group leaders, in your binders tonight is where you'll have that point tracker that is going to help you keep track of this for the rest of the semester. And one more reminder before we head to life groups is to remember that these challenges, they really are important, but they're totally not as important as their purpose. And their purpose is to help us connect with Jesus. HSM, if you show up every week and you listen to the word and you take these challenges, but you never actually let Jesus into your heart, you are missing the point. That's why this is called the way. Because it's the way that we live, being connected with Jesus and being formed by him, by being his disciples, that's what makes us different. That's what's that's is what, that is what sets us apart more than just the things that we do. Remember that the first mark of a disciple of Jesus is that disciples drop everything and follow him. So let's help each other drop the things that we need to drop in order to follow Jesus more closely 
and we'll see where he takes us along the way. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you again so much for tonight, and we praise you again for that truth that there is no one here on accident. God, I pray that you continue to draw us closer to yourself through your goodness and your mercy and your love that runs after us. And God, would you form us into the people, into the disciples that you want us to be as we follow your ways this semester. God, we love you so much, and we pray these things in your name.